you guys find yourself trying to play at home a little bit? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know how I would have died for sure. <laughs> I would have died. <laughs> they all, all my survival skills came from the um, the Jungle Books, so I definitely would have died trying to harvest honey from a tracker jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> or I would have stabbed myself in the eye with a prickly paw paw. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat the prickly yeah, pears. Yeah, come on, you use your claw. Jeez, haven't I given you a clue? <laughs> good evening, meat suits and meat dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television, and occasionally good movies, as we see fit. This is episode number one hundred and thirty-five. We have now done as many episodes as the route designated the longest three-digit interstate highway spur in the United States. Yeah. Speaking of places where large numbers of children died, this week we're talking about the Hunger Games. Oh, Oh, boy. Zing. We're talking about the Hunger Games movie, the blockbuster movie based on the 1996 book Ordeal by Hunger, the story of the Donner Party. What sound does a wagon train make? <laughs> ah! What What are some of the hunger-based games you think the Donner Party played? Like, who am I eating? Well, you know, the, I think there was we, a lot of like, what do we want? Meat. When do we want it? Meat. <laughs> <laughs> the hunger. The hunger. The hunger. When I was in third grade, we had to watch a Donner Party movie, and I the one part of it I remember is Wait, there was third grade. Well, kidding? I don't know. Fourth grade, whatever. And, Never uh, too early to learn about the depths of humanity. <laughs> Eight years old is just old enough to start learning how to flay a person. Well, it wasn't pro Donner Party. It was more historically minded. <laughs> you guys came out against the Donner Party. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode is sponsored by AudiblePodcast.com/slash/ReadAndWeep. If you uh, if you haven't yet signed up for an Audible trial membership yet, we it would really help us out. And it costs you nothing, so just go to audiblepodcast.com slash readandweep, and you can get one of over 100,000 audiobooks for free, including all of the books in the Hunger Games series, or any number of books about the Donner Party. All available for you, and we really do appreciate it. If you want to force us to read or watch something of your choice, also, you can go to readandweep.com slash sponsor. We are currently sold out for April, but if you want to sponsor an episode that'll run sometime in May, you're welcome to do that now readhistory.com slash sponsor and we've got some good sponsored episodes coming up in the future so you want to get in on that before all the good ones are taken (laughs) that actually doesn't really make sense that way since if someone else paid for it you could just not because you still get to (laughs) listen to it Let me introduce you to today's panel. You've heard everybody already, but let me let me give you some names. Of course, I'm your host. I'm Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. And I have a good panel for you today. I think you're really going to enjoy them. First up, in San Francisco, California, it's Ezra Fox. Alex, I squealed like a little girl watching this movie, and it was great. So did a lot of the little girls in the screening I was watching. <laughs> they were also squealing like them. They were squealing like me. <laughs> like big Ezra's. <laughs> like big Ezra's. Also joining us today, he's at C. Walter Smith on Twitter. In Seattle, Washington, it's Chris Smith. I squealed like a little girl, too, but that's because I was in the second row and the shaky cinematography made me nauseous. <laughs> Apparently in the future, we can't afford Steadicam. Nope. <laughs> I know. Or because they're poor. Yeah, it was. It was only in District 12. They were like, we're showing you how poor they are by having somebody who's starving to death carrying the camera. Oh, God. <laughs> also, you know, weird I'm story. Sure. I've... I've tried holding a camera to film something, just like a friend's movie thing, while I had to pee, and I was hopping back and forth during it. <laughs> the entire time, the footage was completely unusable. <laughs> this is kind of a sad story, actually. She get well, a job I, in Hollywood cinema. Apparently, I could get a job for Hunger Games, too. Yeah. yeah. Chris, you really ruined that threesome golden shower scene for them, huh? <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> I mean, even a ruined one of those is still better than any other night, right? And they think you think if that was the case, they would have just let you join in. Like you would have just added production value. <laughs> that's why. That's why he was holding it is because he was needed it for the reshoot. Yeah. <laughs> also joining us, you've heard him now. You may also remember him from episode number one twenty-eight, Cool Dog, the movie 
He's at Anthony Lopez PT2, as in Anthony Lopez Part 2, on Twitter. The very funny Anthony Lopez. Hey, I also squealed, but that's just my uh, natural reaction to see Stanley Tucci on the silver screen. <laughs> yeah. God, he is I, uh, a treasure, uh, is he not? He Blue is. Blue hair and, in this movie and all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Stanley Tucci having fun in movies is easily my favorite thing to see in movies, and he had so much fun in this one. How great would it be to uh, be Stanley Tucci? He seems like he really enjoys the shit out of everything he does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what did you say that you liked him in recently? Uh, I liked him in Um, The Hunger Games. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Uh, Captain America last year, I thought he was really good in that. He had a lot of fun. Yeah. I just my girlfriend just um, made me watch Devil Wears Prada recently, and he has so much fun in that movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just I just, squealed like a little girl through that whole thing. Just the light. Oh, Easy A also. I loved him in that. He was, was good he in Easy, Easy A. A. Oh, he, he was, was the, the dad. dad in Easy he, A. Oh yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah. You know what? God damn it! I uh, like that movie more now. I'm a big <laughs> fan of the Tooch. <laughs> you can't touch this. You can't touch this. So before we talk about this, obviously we need uh, we need Chris to summarize. Chris, you are an excellent summarizer for your uh, freakish recall and your dulcet tones. Yes. So today I would like you to summarize in the style of a booming PA announcing the plot to a group of really poor people who would rather be at home trying to make dinner out of rocks or whatever they were eating, <laughs> coal or whatever they. Sometime in the future, America is a country ruled by a totalitarian central government that keeps the other regions of the country down with an iron fist and forced poverty. Each year, the government selects two teenagers, tributes, from each district via lottery to participate in The Hunger Games, in which a battle to the death takes place and there is only one survivor. Katniss Everdeen is our hero, a teenager from District 12, formerly Appalachia, and keeps her family fed by hunting illegally in the woods past the district boundary. She's a crack shot with a bow and arrow and pals around with her hunting mentor and maybe crush, Gale. Also, you said it was America. They called it Pan Am. Is that like America? Oh, they call it Pan Am. Yeah, they call it Pan Am, but really, I mean, it's Pan Am. It's, it's America. I mean, yeah. come on. There's... Well, I was America. just expecting that at first when they said that, that the Hunger Games were like the fight to the death between first class and coach. <laughs> you know, I never interpreted the film that way, but now that you say that, it, it adds up. <laughs> it kind of is. Actually. It checks out. That theory. I like it. So when Katniss's little sister Prim is selected as a tribute, Katniss volunteers herself in her stead and is joined by the tribute PETA, the, the boy from their district. He's a baker's son with a crush on Katniss. They are whisked off to the capital in preparation from the games. Uh, joining them on this trip are Woody Harrelson, who plays Hamish, the yeah. a, a rare former champion from from District 12. Um, that's Katniss and Peta's poor district, the Appalachia. And he's a drunk, but comes around when he sees the hope in these two tributes, uh, the the hope that they're going to win. Uh, and also Elizabeth Banks plays Effie Trick- Trinket, the froofy capital representative. And the Tooch, Stanley Tucci, as Caesar Flickerman, as as the MC of the games and, and the interview host. Uh, Lenny Kravitz is there. He's in the capital. He's the stylist Cinna, who makes Katniss and Peta look amazinger than usual and more amazing than all the other districts because he lights them on fire. Um, and he's uh, Katniss's friend and confidant. And I love uh, his approach to fashion, just like, all right, we're gonna burn take it. some clothes and we're gonna pull out birds, burn it, like, burn it down. <laughs> I like come at like a baby fashion show, just like babies on fire everywhere. Oh, God, was, his approach to toddlers and tiaras. Yeah, was just, just to say, show your belly because it's on fire. <laughs> So, the two kids, Peta and, and Katniss, spend a few days in the capital training for the games and taking interviews, and there's also the kids from all the other districts, and the kids from the rich districts have been training this for this their entire lives, and they are completely stone-cold killers, like, super intimidating. They can throw knives, they can kill a bunch of people with swords, it's it's not looking good for Katniss and Peta. There are also some poor kids, too, like uh, the small girl, Rue, from District 11, seemingly where from, oh, that's where all of the black people are from. Um, <laughs> Played by Willow Smith. Yeah, not she's not played by Willow Smith. Smith. That's <laughs> not Willow just Smith. like Willow Smith. A- anyway, I was so um, bummed when she got stabbed. I was like, she'll never whip her hair back and forth ever again. <laughs> <laughs> that was the saddest whipping hair back and forth. <laughs> that was sad. All right. So anyway, um, the games start, and the games take place in the woods, which is perfect for Katniss because she's really good at hunting in the woods. 
And she snags some survival gear to help her outlast the others and is aided by some gifts from sponsors like medicine and soup. Um, PETA seems to join up with the rich kids who have it out for Katniss due to her impressive bow hunting skills. But once Katniss drops a killer bee nest onto the Tough Kids Alliance and they kind of scatter, PETA shows that he's truly her friend. Um, And then this is when Katniss actually gets a hold of a bow and arrow and starts getting down to business, killing some fucking rich kids. Uh, she blows up their supplies, <laughs> and she starts killing some other guys. The head bad guy is Cato, who looks like Aaron Carter, but on roids. And um, <laughs> he is deadly with a sword. So Cato Ka- stabs Peta off screen sometime um, for betraying the group. And Peta and Katniss, find, or Katniss finds him and takes care of him for a while until he gets better from his infection. But once it gets down to the final three, it's Peta, it's Katniss, and it's Cato. And they duke it out for the finish. And Cato loses and he's literally thrown to the dogs and then Peta and Katniss win as they're both from the same district and uh, Katniss becomes a symbol for standing up to the man and badassery and after this fight to the death 24 people she's the winner basically her next biggest challenge is is it Gail or Peta which crush is the best crush I mean since it is called the Hunger Games I think you gotta go with the Peta right it's one of my top five breads with pockets you son of a bitch. I mean, I think it's a... <laughs> Anthony, wait. Was it you son of a bitch because he stole your joke? <laughs> or because it's just so dumb? No, I just... <laughs> I vomited in my mouth. <laughs> we have so upset. We have different tastes in the quality of jokes, apparently. <laughs> also, Chris, you kept saying rich kids. In your mind, was this movie really just about uh, the poor overcoming the rich? Was that the whole... The allegory here was about the poor kids killing the rich kids. It wasn't about the kids versus the government. No, 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 no. No, it's like a PG-13 Little Rascals. Um, <laughs> the, the the Little Rascals, which are Peter and Katniss and Rue, uh, instead of building a soapbox derby, they start stabbing kids and, uh, you know, the rich kids start breaking necks. And it turns out that it's uh, the poor kids. Yeah, they originally didn't want to make. Seen Little Rascal. If you've seen, if you haven't seen Little Rascals recently, this is pretty much shot for shot what happened. In- <laughs> yeah, in the original script, they were killing each other. If you haven't seen other, it recently, they tuned and it down count us on PG. It. Well, they yeah. they had enough foresight to be like, look, these CG dogs are gonna look like shit, so they just cut <laughs> them out. <laughs> the Hunger Games people didn't have that. That you know, conviction to be like, well. That gets us bad. right. That gets us right into our first segment for the day, because this movie is widely considered to be really good, including by some members of the staff. We've decided we're going to do this format in reverse. So here's how this is going to work. We're going to actually start and end with a hate lament sandwich, and uh, we'll do compliments. We'll do a love game in the middle. So it's the normal. For, it's the, the format in reverse, like uh oh Oreos with but with compliments. If it's it was bizarro, reverse, read it and weep. Because usually it's like like, hate, like. If that was reverse, wouldn't it be the same exact thing, though? Well, this is more of the invert. <laughs> yeah, inverted. Is yeah, what you're right. the normal. On, you got me on a technicality. That's why I use... Boom! This is the oops, mostly crunch berries version of read it and weep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Anthony, as the guest, you have the right to go first or last in your opening hate. Wait, no, he doesn't, though, right? It's backwards. Oh, some a bitch. I gotta, I gotta lay it down. I like that, like the way he's thinking. I gotta go with that. <laughs> okay, so, so how do we do it then, Ezra? We tell he him has, where to go. He has no right, and he has to go in the middle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, you've got the first hate. Then what it will be? Okay, so my big hate, you know, so Suzanne Collins, you wrote a good book, but unfortunately, the crush that we're trying to defend, and the chief rich kid bad guy, Cato are both described as being blonde and muscular. And the big showdown between the two takes place at night. (laughs) (laughs) Which means that Katniss, with a bow and arrow, has to suddenly decide which blonde, bulky kid to shoot. And also, given the cinematography being very shaky, which we'll get into in compliments, I'm sure, but it was really hard to figure out which blonde kid was which blonde kid until one of them started being a complete dick once the camera stabilized. Sure. So um, my big hate there is, uh, you know, this isn't Bob Dylan. It's not blonde on blonde. Let's just give somebody a distinguishing characteristic, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, shouldn't the guy, the, the baker's son have been doughier? Oh, kazing. Well, I mean, they, the movie was like over two and a half hours, and I would say hardly any of the characters had 
characteristics going in. Especially PETA and the blonde kid. They, like, set him up in the montage as being, like, a bad guy. Yeah. But that's solely because he, like, gives someone a smug look and laughs at him. And then he's like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to be the asshole in this series. Dude, Anthony, I've seen high school movies. I know that once somebody smirks, yeah. they're done. Especially yeah. in a gym, you know, yeah. oh, man, this guy's going to be a bad guy. But, yeah, that, his, his, that guy's whole character was so... Uh, like he was, he came off as a dick, and then just immediately like switched to just psycho, like sociopath. Yeah. Well, that's that's what being forced to fight to the death of their children will do to you. Yeah. It has a, it has a quick effect on the brain like that, I think. Or except I mean, for Katniss, because she's perfect and nothing could ever affect her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought she shot him uh, because he just started monologuing. He was, she was like, oh man, too much of this. I don't need more. <laughs> Skip to the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did. This movie did have a good lesson on why not to monologue if you're a bad guy. There was that yeah. scene where uh, she was about to be killed by uh, the uh, the crazy chick and the, the uh, knife thrower girl. Yeah, and and knife thrower girl made a long speech, just long enough for someone to come in and save save uh, Canis's life. Do not explain your evil plan until you killed the person. Well, don't explain the evil things you've done. You can talk in the future that. tense yeah, yeah. in evil monologue. That's fine. But yeah. when you go past tense, you're just opening up a whole door of grudges. Yeah. That someone might come up that and is... just crack your neck for no we'll Save it for your biography later, your yeah. autobiography. Don't do it in the moment. All right, Ezra, what is your major hate? Um, there, I mean, I think their special effects budget might have gone blown on some things before they got to the tracker jackers. Because, I don't know if you noticed... <laughs> They were just a bunch of fucking bees. <laughs> okay, so like, these are the bees that like are genetically modified, super scary bees that Katniss drops onto the rich kids when they're trying to wait her out in a tree, and she gets stung a couple times, but the rich kids, one of them gets stung to death, they all get, you know, and they're like, they cause hallucinations, they kill some people, right? And yeah. yeah. By the way, major, major ups to the movie for getting rid of the part of the book where the tracker jackers were also like magical camera radio transmitting bees or whatever they were and just simplifying them to killer bees that was a that was a strong yeah. move killer bees that will fuck you up <laughs> in a good way or get you totally <laughs> high down, yeah. Yeah. high on bees <laughs> Yeah. Do you think like teenagers in some of these districts are like capturing a bee just and then one tracker it jacker a... is awesome, but like four is yeah. OD. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like Krispy Kremes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, awesome, uh, Anthony. It's the middle. You have no choice. It is your turn. Uh, yeah. My my thing that I bugged me the most about this movie is that one, it takes like like an hour to get to the Hunger Games, which that's fine. I, I'm like, I, things I liked about that and things I don't like about that. But once the Hunger Games started, the thing that drove me crazy is that the movie, rather than being like a next really tense, super like on the edge of your seat, hour and a half of the Hunger Games, what happened was something tense would happen and then the filmmaker would be like, alright, good, let's hit the showers, let's calm down. <laughs> And then, like, you would calm down and everything would go back to normal. And then something super tense would happen. And then the filmmaker was like, all right, let's take a knee. Let's breathe. You don't want to hurt yourself. Let's uh, calm down. Let's take some naps. Catch some Zs. We want to be fresh for the next horrifying things to happen. And, like, the whole Hunger Games, the entire sequence of events is really tense things happening. And then just deflating all tension with long-winded scenes that didn't like need to be there or you could have shot him in a way or told that story in a way that like you would be on the edge of your seat like oh wait a minute someone's hunting her right now but it's very much like no she's cool right now don't worry about it uh everything is a-okay we'll let you know when you should start to be scared again in about another 15 minutes there was a lot of people walking around in the woods not on edge for being in a small arena set to kill yeah. each other. There were a lot of, like, walking around blind corners without having your bow out, mm-hmm. it seemed like. I, th- I think like, I would have been I would have done a lot more tiptoeing had I been in that situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like one of those, like, Monday, you know, Monday night, or Monday morning quarterbacks who's like, you know, I don't know about you, but if I had been in the Hunger Games, <laughs> I would have tiptoed my way through it. Piece of cake. <laughs> That's the problem with these guys. They don't tiptoe enough. <laughs> I mean, I don't like. I mean, I didn't do a lot of strategizing for how I would deal with the Hunger Games, but isn't part of the fun of any movie playing the home version? 
No, you're absolutely right. I mean, I you know, just for fun, I set it up in my apartment with my girlfriend where we have to pretend to hunt each other for to the death. But because we live in uh, 400 square feet, it's a short game. And you, you spend most of the time camouflaged as the couch, yes. right? <laughs> I, I, I cake decorate myself to look like the like the couch. <laughs> Alex, the, there's only two of you though, and presumably you're from the same district, so you just like you pretend to eat poison berries and then you don't. <laughs> That's it. Because I don't like fruit. No, That's she's from district. She's from district bedroom, and Alex is from district kitchen. <laughs> they must oh, clearly kill each other. The poor people from the shaky cam district kitchen. <laughs> yeah, we mine most of the coal in the kitchen. That's where that happens. <laughs> All right, so oh no, the garbage disposal blew up. <laughs> so here's my major hate. My major hate is, may the odds be ever in your favor. Is a terrible slogan for a, what would otherwise be a pretty compelling television show uh so i have come up with some alternatives uh i like i think the obvious one would be the hunger games just hope it's not you that would be yeah. especially effective during the uh during the the, the lottery system um i also <laughs> like the hunger games don't taste the rainbow <laughs> uh and then i also like the hunger games hungry why wait grab a bow and arrow uh, I was totally thinking of a Snickers one. <laughs> Something like uh, Hunger Games? Tough shit. Hope you have an older sister who really loves you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Multiple children are an insurance plan. <laughs> yeah. Hunger Games? Actually, 23 children dead every year is a pretty good odds. <laughs> but it, it's, it's also one of those great slogans like... Uh, like that great dystopian future type slogan that just fits with the logic of the Hunger Games. Like I love, <laughs> I love dystopian move, like dystopian future movies that have like, the, when the premise is like, oh, to stop revolution, we're gonna do something that will inevitably lead to revolution Way more at revolution some point. Than if you just didn't do it's, it. It's like this is yeah. like my second favorite dystopian future subplot. My favorite is like the Death Race 2000, the gameless subplot, or like a uh, Running Man. Like, oh, we got these dangerous criminals. We want to release them. Uh, we should release one back in the wild. What should we do first? How about have them kill about 40 people, <laughs> and then they'll be real prime and ready. To yeah, the one who killed 40 people is the one we want to release back into the wild. Yeah. Now, they, there's yeah. a riot in District 11 during the games. It's clearly not doing what you want it to do, King Santa Claus. <laughs> King Donald Sutherland. As played by Santa Claus. Yes. <laughs> From Claus playing as Donald Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got a movie career. He likes it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so confused. <laughs> All right. Well, so let's uh, let's get into our our main segment now, our anchor segment. It's our love game. Today we're gonna play the game of Wheel Love Fortune. Huh? Got, yeah. yeah, it was way harder to write a love game name than hate games, it turns out. Um, but Especially because we, we haven't written a hate fortune. game name for a while. Maybe that's what it is. Um, Alright, so I'm going to start out then. Uh, I love the idea that they had to market a movie about kid murder. I love the marketing department that had to deal with this. There was a there was a story on Marketplace last week where Kyra Stahl interviewed a lady who had had to do with the marketing campaign. And one of the things she said was, she's like, there'll never be a happy meal of the Hunger Games. Which is fascinating. They actually have to deal with that real-world problem uh, of, of how to market it. Uh, so, like, for example, also, she didn't mention this, but I'm assuming this is true, like, Mattel couldn't put out a special edition of Life you know, you couldn't do that. Or like action figures with real-time like stab wounds that yeah. you get in and out of them. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, what we want a four-year-old like the, putting yeah. into their mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do like kind of the um, adult choices meal they have to like put out. Like the, you know, <laughs> Hasbro's Game of Death. Yeah. Also good. Yeah, the the breakfast cereal, Death. <laughs> uh, also, right before my movie, during the ads, there was an ad for the Marines. Which is an interesting tie-in as well. Like, this is what they want to be associated with. I want to have the image of the Marines and children killing each other in the same 10-minute span. 
Well, it's sort of like if you if you like the Hunger Games idea, but you kind of took the side of the um, peacekeepers who were beating up people, <laughs> the stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, well, I guess it'd be good to fight and get armed by people. Like, I'd love to beat up on defenseless people instead. That'd be. Yeah, that if, if those were the most sympathetic characters to you, join the Marines. You want to uh, <laughs> kill people and not really have a good understanding of why you're doing it? <laughs> Hunger Games with the Marines. <laughs> Same I, uh, philosophy. I take it back. That is actually a good tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else? Other other compliments for this? Uh, I, I have one. thing. thing I, I really liked about this movie, mm-hmm. um, easily my favorite thing about it, uh, besides Stanley Tucci having a lot of fun, like I said, <laughs> the Tucci. I'm a big fan of the Tucci having a lot of fun, and, and it was a fun character for him. I actually, just, I watched the Tucci, and I was like, he's actually doing a great job of interviewing these people. But, he actually would be a good host for the show. Yeah, going on a little side about, about what little things I love about because I'm really into like the movie making process, and I love like just the weird random things my mind thinks about while I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Like during the scenes when he's interviewing people, they were like these like like eight LCD screens behind him that have just like silent clips of him talking and just laughing a lot. And I just love that they had to shoot those at some point. (laughs) Just like Sandy, just have fun. Just go at it. We need eight different takes of this. I wasn't going to throw them up behind you on the green screen. Uh, I just love that. That was a day for him in my, in my head. Cause I'm a professional comedian in my head the whole time. I was like, how much would they have to pay me to host the hunger games? Would I be any good at it? Would I make a good like play-by-play announcer, but yeah. also interviewer of children who are about to kill each other? Do I get drink tickets? I mean, yeah, important exactly. questions. <laughs> I gotta know. I bet uh, the food is totally good on yeah. set for that show. Oh yeah, craft services. I was one. Wa- I wonder what the point in the future is where we're like, it is okay to wear novelty facial hair. We're like the year twenty twenty one, and they're like. Yeah, it is a reasonable amount of time to spend four hours shaving in the morning to get all of the different twirls of your beard. Yeah. Not you, Lenny Kravitz, but you, the kid from American Beauty. Yeah. Yes. You can do that. That was great. That's one of my favorite parts, actually. So, yeah, I I just love that, uh, that one kid from American Beauty is getting work again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Bentley is his name, apparently. I think yeah. he just looks like, you know, uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he had this great like sort of wave, uh, I guess, motion, kind of flames uh, in his facial ha- facial hair, mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't wasn't specifically in the book, and I think they really brought it to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna catch on. It's gonna be the new, new like chin strap, I think. <laughs> it would take a long time. That would be a difficult piece of work. I mean, in the future, they'll obviously do it with like lasers and shit. But although yeah. no, actually, yeah. this 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 would this is. Something that's that's fascinating to me. In the future, they still wax. Yeah. When she gets her legs sha- legs waxed when she's getting prepped for the capital, they're still waxing. And presumably, also her uh oh. You think? That's not going to really be in most shots. I'm too I old think. for this, Chris. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, but they 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 still wax. We haven't invented a better way yet in the future. Like our train levitates on green smoke and we can't just laser your hair off yet we can do that now <laughs> that's right you can or electrolysis yeah and we're gonna go backwards to the wax i don't know well i mean these guys they, they go in off to the death you're really gonna spend that money on the lasers technology for them well when you could spend just pennies and wax them i'm sure <laughs> it's a lot cheaper for the amount of kids be, you're sending to the, the slaughter every year, they could be sending that money. They could be spending all of that money on whole pigs to roast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, on the on the the other thing on the fashion, I've seen several people uh, in, mention about this this movie. One of their problems is that these kids are all very beautiful, and they they go on and murder each other without their makeup ever getting smu- getting smudged. That's a good and point. to those really to those critics, I say. In the future, mascara is murder-proof. <laughs> we have invented a way. Yeah, you might run. This mascara won't. Yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 <laughs> that's perfect. That's awesome. Uh, other compliments? I, uh, I I really liked the... Uh, there seems to be this thing in PG-13 movies when you can either show people getting stabbed but not show any blood or you cannot show people getting stabbed but and you can the, show the blood, blood on knives yeah. and i thought yeah. i thought uh compliment and kind of a background compliment that the action 
was shot so shaky and so up close that you can't ever tell what's going on, which is pretty <laughs> lame. But I do like that rather than focus on knives going into things in which you don't – you see like this cartoonish level if you pull out the knife and there's no blood on it. Mm-hmm. They would just do a lot of like a knife being raised and then a knife going back <laughs> out and it's just covered in blood. Yeah. And I thought that was more effective than um, – you know, if you had shot it shaking and close and shown the violence, they shot it shaking and close and sort of abstract. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of pretty gruesome murder to be able to work into a PG-13 movie. I was yeah. I'm I'm impressed that they were able to do that so well. Um, no, I, I like it because I feel like this is a conversation they would have had like at the start of the you know 74th Hunger Games season. You know, it's like you know, guys, we spent a lot of time in the last 73 seasons, which is a long fucking time for a show, yeah, by no the way. No kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, to uh, you know, we we always focus on knives knives going into things. Let's let's focus on knives coming out of things. You know, <laughs> like that's that's the paradigm shift. Chris, oh, like Alfred Hitchcock said, it's not the child murder that you show; it's the child murder that you <laughs> don't, don't show. Sure, right. Yeah. Well, I was actually doing a show this weekend. I was doing a comedy show, and I was told that I had to keep to PG thirteen in my show, and so I was like, all right. Not a lot of swearing, but I can murder up to 22 children. <laughs> totally fine. Uh, I have a compliment. I want to compliment this. So the, one of the things about the, the future dystopia that I like is that Pan Am, uh, the, the country that is mostly America, and apparently we've combined with Panama <laughs> for some reason, uh, but, uh, and Panama gets equal billing. Anyway, uh, so Pan Am is broken up into 12 districts conveniently by what they are able to mine or produce. And I like that. So, like, District 12 produces coal. Uh, District 11 produces, like, grain and trees. And uh, District 9 produces aliens. Wait, what? Oh, oh got, it. Huh? got it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I was like, wait, there was an alien kid? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. District 9, full aliens. That's the thing about the districts. I did like that. The uh, prawns. That scene when they're coming in on the chariots, because they haven't set up what any of the other districts do. Right. And you just know that they're coal miners, so they're going to be on fire. And they're on fire and they're coming in. And then all the other districts is like a couple dressed as like gladiators. Yeah. One of them like there, there's like there's the Dutch clogs from the people <laughs> who are who build dams or something. Yeah. I mean, what a, like of the twelve like the twelve things that you need in the future: coal, grains and trees, aliens, pigs. What you know, what else are you levitation? What else are you mining? What else are pork these other districts doing? Yeah, you pork need belly. People who make cannons. The shoot off uh, <laughs> cannons. You need uh, you think it's a real cannon, not a sound yeah. effect. I I think Beard they, they said Mascara. like get the cannon ready. I like to think that it's a cannon. I will. I like to think that in that room of holographic computer setups with the thirty people running all of the cameras in this and the reality of this scenario, I like. I want. God, I love a NASA control room. Yeah, oh, Apollo thirteen, so good. I just just wanted one of those stations to be a sound effect board, and so we'd like get the cannon ready, and so he goes through the pages, and he's like, oh, fart noises, no, uh, horns and duck noises, no. Uh, oh, there it is, cannon, boom. But he could have done any kind of wacky morning DJ sound effects on very short notice. Oh, oh. Yeah, <laughs> we should just get a, like every t- every time a tribute dies, it's just a, a, a like a honky horn, like a and then, just and the, then uh, one of those uh, those slide whistles. Just the sound from Price is Right when you lose. Oh, the whammy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, other compliments. I thought all the performances were really good. Yeah? I thought they all... Yeah. Everyone really Wait, showed Wait, all up. of them? Including PETA, the most boring blonde kid that ever blonde kidded? He's very pretty. That's pretty much his character. Yeah, I thought... He's, he's, he, he was really good at being useless. He's pro-baked goods. I can get on that platform. Okay, I can get behind <laughs> it. Did he won you over. Did he ever use his like superpower of throwing heavy things above his head during the actual Hunger Games? Yes, once. He, he picked up uh, other Kato. doppelganger blonde kid and threw him at one point. Oh. Oh. He also used yeah. his cake decorating superpower to look like the rock. <laughs> Just his face, though. We didn't see his whole body, which didn't have any yeah. makeup on it. No. But <laughs> I mean, that's one of my – I think one of the things that made me laugh the most in yeah. the book was when he they was like, well, I've decorated lots of – cakes back home so i'm great at camouflage I'm like, what do all your cakes look like the table underneath them what have you been doing 
what is this cake shop like? And then camo cakes and surplus. And when have you thought in this can- this cake decorating? When have you practiced doing it on your own head? Because that's a totally different angle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he you also look great though, huh? Cake, so. <laughs> I just like uh, uh, bonus. Then I want to throw this in. I really like that in the future there is uh, finally gender equality in sports. I think Title IX has finally taken off. Yeah. They just throw the men and women in the same division. Isn't that progressive? Yeah, well, it's the the killing division. So yeah, <laughs> yeah but you. Cause... I like the. What's the amateur version of the Hunger Games? Also, like where they're just using the laser pro-am time. Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. Well, all, the thing is, I guess the thing with the genders, though, that it occurs to me is that if you were to have, if you were to have split them up and made the two different Hunger Games, everybody would watch the men. You know, no one would be like the really. Yeah, yeah they'd have to make the well, because they can dunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'd have to make the arena shorter and the trees lower to climb. <laughs> the women's league. Yeah. Look, this ad was acquired but not approved by Audible. Meanwhile, in a dystopian future. Hey, Janice, have you noticed how we're in a dystopian future? Gosh, Peter, I hadn't really thought about it until now, but I guess we are. I don't know how I could have missed it. The giant propaganda TVs and the oppressive dictator should have been a dead giveaway. President Sleet here. We're now going to start the 24th annual Peckish Games. Janice, I finally realized the unsettling thing about this dystopian future. Besides the bathroom with the three seashells? Yeah, it's that it's all too familiar. I've been catching up on my dystopian reading, and President Sleet has just been stealing from other dystopias. You know how we've always been at war with East Asia? Sure, those guys suck. That's straight out of 1984. Oh, wow. And our Greek letter caste system? That guy who asked if we're replicants or not? The fact that no matter where we go, the song Brazil is playing? It's all been ripped off from other dystopias. Wow, that's super annoying. Are you guys replicants? No. No. Am I? Oh, Jesus, for the last time, I don't know. But, Peter, how did you learn all this? By going to audiblepodcast.com slash weep. They gave me a free dystopian audiobook just for signing up. They're like the last hope of humanity. So how do we stop the peckish games? Oh, we just have to fight in them, fake fall in love, almost eat berries, and rally the entire dystopian country around us. Piece of cake. The peckish games have begun. May the statistics be always mostly beneficial to you. Audiblepodcast.com slash weep. Judge, jury, and executioner. Give me a back of Berlin Give me a star in St. Paul. I've seen the future, brother. It is murder. So, joining us once again, you may remember her from episode 103, where she talked to us about the Hunger Games book. It is the editor-in-chief of the blog, Brokeass Gourmet, at BrokeassGourmet.com, and the forthcoming book, The Brokeass Gourmet Cookbook, which is coming out May 15th. It's Gabby Moskowitz. Hi, nice to meet you. Or, nice to see you again. Let's try that again. You're 0 for 2. <laughs> yeah, we're not we know you can't see us. What's going the bo- on? The book is um, technically out May 8th, by the way. Oh, okay. Oh, great. You well, can get it even sooner now because of listeners, because you're listeners of the podcast. You right. now get on May 8th. I just, the Amazon <laughs> date was May 15th, so. As is the Barnes & Noble date on your website. Yeah. Hmm. Why right, is yours secretly right. faster? It, it will be in stores on the 8th, but if you order it online, it will be in your hands on the 15th. Ooh, I see. Are you going to have like a midnight release? Yeah, this could, they'll close off a, a block of, right by Powell's, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, definitely. I should do that. I, I hadn't thought of it, but. That's a good idea. I'll, yeah. <laughs> well, so so you are your your blog is about uh, eating well on a limited budget. What we're going to talk to you about today is a uh, is a little different because we're going to talk to you about um, in the Hunger Games the book. We talked to you a lot about the uh, e- what they were eating in the woods, which fit very right. well into your expertise. But in this in the movie, there were a lot of instances of people eating in the future, specifically rich people eating. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what rich ass gourmet would look like. Uh, and since it's the future, it's like rich-ass gourmet in space. So that's your new blog that you're writing for for us. Great. Okay. Great. So in the future, Gabby, uh, the rich people are still eating chocolate-covered strawberries. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever invent anything better than chocolate? You know, I want to share an anecdote. 
Yes. About this. So I'm just going to, I'm going to move away for a minute, but I, I, I think that this really illustrates a point. So um, I used to be, I used to be a kindergarten teacher, mm-hmm. and one day I was talking with my students a long time ago, before I was a food writer, talking with my students about um, the main flavors. So there's bitter, salty, sweet, sour, um, edamame, I guess spicy. umami, and then there's umami, right? Oh, I was close. So I'm, I'm telling, you know, I'm asking the kids, what are, what are the major flavors, and. A little boy says, um, his name is Henry, he says, salty, sweet, sour, bitter, and chocolate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, you know, actually, it's this thing called umami, blah, blah, blah. I start to explain. He goes, do you mean like, ooh, mommy, this is good chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and I think right there, Do you there, hate him that too, Anthony? Because that's, 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 that's my alley. That's a solid joke right there. <laughs> <laughs> He was a pretty smart kid. Like so, that. you know, that that right there tells me, like, no. No, it's we'll never invent chocolate. something better than yeah. chocolate. So, no, my answer to your question is I don't think that we will um, come up with anything better. <laughs> and, you know, chocolate-covered strawberries are so cheesy, but they're so great. And it's like like I, I get so annoyed with myself for liking them so much. But So does anybody else have any other questions about the food from this movie? I have a couple questions, yeah. Um so, Gabby, at one point they're eating uh, Brussels sprouts and some blue-eyed fish. Um, what what are some foods you can envision us uh, genetically engineering in the future to make them more delicious? Hmm. Mm, great question. What what other foods can I see? Like, what other foods can I see? Yeah, them so like up it, with? It, now, like, now that you have what you know, food like plus a couple, science. Yeah, mm-hmm. what food yes. really needs a dose of science to make it better? Wait, so are well, you suggesting uh, as hold on? Did you see, are you suggesting that the, mm-hmm. the fish was blue eyes? That was the genetic component. Was its eye color? I mean, because that could be complex. Yeah, it's it was the Aryan fish we're was talking about. Yeah. Vastly more attractive. <laughs> you could do that with just simple contacts fish. for the fish. I mean, that's not hard. Well, still, they're bigger contacts than we have now. All right, you could just inject, like, just take a little blueberry and push it in where the eye is. It would make the eyes taste less like eyeballs and more like blueberries. Alex, you fool! They're poison. <laughs> Well, I think what this boils down to is pork belly, because oh, wow. if, <laughs> and then what if does I pork belly anything, boil down to? If I have learned anything in the um, the food world in San Francisco, it's that when you're not sure how to improve something, you should just add pork belly to it. It's so I think that if if they can genetically engineer some way to make whether it's fish or berries or have actual pig belly in it. Like it's a it's no, a fish not, with a pig belly, not, not pig belly, <laughs> not pig belly. Who likes I mean, fish belly? I guess te- you know what pork belly is. It's like it's like it's like bacon on crack. Pork belly, come wow. on, you guys. Is it as good as bacon on literal crack? That's pretty good. <laughs> That's bacon plus or minus yeah, crack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's. Pork belly, come on, look it up. Pork belly is, yeah. is fantastic. Okay. So Why what you're saying is up? in the future, if I'm hearing you right, we're going to be eating astronaut ice cream and pork belly. <laughs> or pork belly flavored well, astronaut saying, ice cream. It's going to be in other stuff. So, you know, we figured out how to improve the flavors of so many things. Um, you know, they're going to be like naturally, well, maybe not naturally occurring, but like maybe breeds of, of apples with... Um, like a just a thin layer of pork belly under the skin, just to like really balance, you know, <laughs> sweet and savory. Okay, I looked it up, Gabby. <laughs> and according to Wikipedia, yeah. pork belly is a boneless cut of fat, fatty meat derived from the belly of a pig. So I was not <laughs> wrong in calling it pig belly. No, yes, well, but they yeah. raise those pigs on crack, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I didn't read the whole article. I didn't get to that part yet. You should have. <laughs> I just thought it would be a, it would just save us a lot of time if the whatever animal it was had pig belly in it or pork <laughs> belly, and then I was picturing a fish that had like pig in the middle. Yeah, I get behind that. Um, yeah. Uh, so Gabby, at one point, um, uh, Katniss, the lead character, has to um, uh, feed a, a bowl of thin broth uh, to her possibly dying of infection uh, fake boyfriend. What is about the sexiest food you can feed someone who is possibly dying? 
now or in the future? No, either one. Either way, yeah. I'd yeah. say great hmm. sexy foods are timeless. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you shouldn't yeah. shouldn't have to qualify. Well, let's see. Um, I would say any kind of long noodle, like udon. Udon is uh-huh. when you're trying to seduce the gravely ill. Or um, udon a has- Disney dog. <laughs> udon has the 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 um the benefit of being both very soothing. It's great when you're mm-hmm. sick. Uh, f- well, see, and and the benefit that udon has over pho or pho mm-hmm. um, is mm-hmm. that the noodles are a lot thicker, so you get to really like wrap your lips around each noodle mm. and really like suck it in um mm. and <laughs> you know and um and i think that's pretty sexy yeah and then yeah. you get udon broth all over your mouth <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna have to tag this in itunes as contains sexy descriptions of noodles <laughs> <laughs> that'll bump us in the ratings yeah maybe <laughs> All you sexy noodle people, thanks for joining. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question for you, Gabby. Uh, At one point, Katniss blows up the food pile of her enemies with a bag of apples. Do you know of any (laughs) recipes made up with blown up apples? Wait, she blows it up with a bag of apples? Yes, literally, that's what happens. Triggers some landmines. Oh. Yes, it, she blows up the apples with landmines. So if you were if you were cooking with explosives and apples, what would you make? Well, so the cool thing about applying um, direct heat to fruit is that it, it really chars it and draws out the, the sugar, so it's like nice and, and caramelized. Awesome. So probably, probably what I would do is um, blow up some apples and then stir them together with butter and brown sugar until the brown sugar melts and becomes really thick and syrupy, and then I'd serve it over vanilla bean ice cream. That is also what wow. I would do. <laughs> we have so much in common. Oh my god, what a great answer! <laughs> Can we, uh, <laughs> Gabby? Is landmine a feasible way to start cooking things in the future? Because um, that seems like a pretty great option in in the wilderness. I'm sure the MythBusters have already tested it in the small scale. <laughs> I mean, it's very effective. It's a it's a good way to to feed a crowd for sure. Um, <laughs> that was Jesus's trick, famously. Yeah. <laughs> he just put loaves, yeah, fishes, and landmines. That's the famous story. <laughs> The other brilliant thing about it is that it totally wipes out the need for any sort of server. Like, like if you're having a dinner party. Well, it also wipes <laughs> out the server. Blow, yeah. And you blow something up. And you blow something up from the kitchen. It literally, it's transported to your guests. Yeah, it's the Gallagher yeah. technique. Yeah. <laughs> he was just trying to serve watermelon yeah, to all those people. Trying, yeah, he's trying to give you a watermelon. Yeah. But they always put plastic bags over them, like they didn't want it. Right. Well. That's why he's so cynical these yeah, days, Calico. <laughs> they wanted him to feel like he'd earned it. Right. Um, other questions? Uh, I just got a quick one. We um, One of the previews I got before the movie was uh, for, um, I think, Snow White and the uh, Huntsman. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, pretty much all that movie is just about trying to eat uh, Kristen Stewart's heart. And I know you gave some, you know, some heart suggestions before. I just want to know if there's anything different, uh, if it was specifically... Uh, the heart of the most beautiful girl in the kingdom. If that's who we're going to pretend is Kristen Stewart. <laughs> yeah. for this purpose. Suspension of disbelief. Okay. Well, let's see. Well, um, it just helps. It's probably not a huge heart because she's so pale. It's probably not pumping <laughs> yeah. a lot of blood. Maybe so. Maybe right. think in terms of not very effective. Heart. Yeah. Ineffective. Right. Inefficient yeah. and whiny heart. Yeah. <laughs> she probably she's probably pretty anemic also. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's. Oh yeah. I mean, is it too obvious to cook it with apples? No, no like, not at all. I feel Sometimes like I would, I, the best. I would have to I would have to simmer it in a crock pot with apples and onions and probably a little bit of um, cognac mm. and you know let it just really reduce and cook down and serve it with a nice rice pilaf and then uh, and then for dessert <laughs> can never go wrong apples and landmines <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. It would be an apple theme. Like if this were an Iron Chef, and the secret ingredient was right. um, <laughs> apples, we had, we would I would be the all over. The secret ingredient is Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> secret ingredient is landmines. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the best Iron Chef. 
<laughs> Except brought out the, the umami in the C four. Different colors of Kristen Stewart or different colors of landmines. A variety of sizes and shapes. <laughs> All right. I like cuisine. All right, that is excellent. Thank you so much for joining us, Gabby. You are you are tremendous as always. Everybody, you should go out and pre-order, or if you're hearing this after May 8th, go buy the Broke Ass Gourmet Cookbook in stores uh, very shortly. Uh, the tagline is recipes to keep your taste buds happy and your wallet thick, which is a funny way to describe a wallet. And uh, <laughs> also, I notice you're selling the food along with your uh, your top. What? <laughs> You're what? using a seductive oh. <laughs> pose and holding the food, so. That's just, there is there is also. <laughs> You're not above. There is. You're not above trying to sell books, which I like about you. No, no, I'm not. You know, we. I have lots of things to offer, and <laughs> I'm trying to, to try to get them all on one book cover. And you can. <laughs> so yeah. You can. <laughs> You can also read her writings on a very regular basis at BrokeAssGourmet.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us, Gabby. You are so welcome. Thanks, guys. I like to describe my wallet as goathy. <laughs> it, it did sound sexual. Like being, my Keep your wallet a, thick. My wallet's got a lot of ghosts to it. <laughs> a lot of punch codes to the different coffee shops I go to really add up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, it's time for the second half of our Hate Lament Sandwich. We're going to say one more negative thing about the movie, and then we're going to move on with our lives. So uh, we're going to go in uh, in reverse order, which means it was me, I guess. Yeah, which means I'm going to go first. So they, they get the sponsorships. People at home pay. People in the viewing public can pay. And I think I mentioned this in the other show that I like the idea that people at home can pay to see the show get changed. That's a really clever idea. It's sort of like the voting on on American Idol, but like on crack, where you could be like, I can just send a different song to that guy. Anyway, I think that's fun. But so they they get. <laughs> oh my god! Well, how how much fun would it be if you could like add twelve ounce weights to Michael Phelps at a million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great, and a great way to raise money. Oh, so fun. But uh, here's my problem. Uh, how, how great would it be if you could feed Michael Phelps soup before the game? <laughs> For every time. <laughs> and every, by game, I mean how about, swimming match, I guess. How about if I could kiss him and you guys would send us soup? And then I could share something. <laughs> how great would it be kiss? if I could touch Usain Bolt? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but here's my problem. They, uh, Peter Bread needs some, uh, some medicine for his leg. They kiss. The millionaires at home send in all this money. And... There's an airdrop of magical futuristic medicine. But then Katniss has to apply it with her finger. She, like, finger bangs his leg wound. And that is just gross. No, oh, this, God, you went you went far. This is the future. Come on. Can't you at least airdrop a cotton ball in there with your feast? Come on. <laughs> just give her a swab or something. You clearly don't understand how entertainment works. I think. <laughs> or medicine. A cotton ball get cleaning up a wound. I want to see that finger wound. Oh, so it was so. That was the. You know, it's funny. All of the murder, and I was fine with it. And then she touches the wound with her finger, and I was like, oh, gross. So I guess that's me. Then again, I, my I do like the idea that. Go ahead. Uh, well, it, yeah, it'd be great in the future instead of like you know with your finger, like you just with uh, like a medicine shotgun. You know, <laughs> you just shoot him in the leg with like a just big like blast of medicine. Yeah. You know. With some powerful kickback. It's an ele- inelegant but entertaining future. <laughs> just a whole bunch of Vaseline just gets sprayed on him. Fuckshot. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I wasn't alone, by the way, in my theater of having weird reactions. The other thing that I thought was funny was nobody made a peep during any of the murders or the gruesome bloody parts. But when one of the girls throws a knife into a lizard, three ladies gasped. <laughs> yeah. They were audibly well, the lizard didn't upset for the lizard. Get Oh, well, lizards, Alex, are metaphorical people, and then people are metaphorical... Lizards? Lizards. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it seems like a Yeah, so killing a lizard is like killing a person. Oh, but, uh, but killing a killing person, a person is, like is like killing, killing a walking snake. Yeah, and that, wizard, that lizard didn't put his name in the lottery. It didn't, you know, 
wasn't responsible for being there. He just was. Well, what about the pig? Trying to live. It was just roasted. The pig was on crack. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't see someone throw a knife into the pig. The pig was already dead. Well, they sh- she shot the apple, I guess, out of the pig. What? The- yeah. Never mind. All right. Uh, continuing backwards, Anthony, what's your, what's your last major hate? Um, the thing that really bugged me was the how underdeveloped all of the contestants were except for the main two. And how they were just like... What they do you mean by underdeveloped? And you like you were supposed to care. Oh, characters, characters. Well, just, okay, good. Yeah, the characters. Yes. They were just absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think he was complaining was about like, the yeah, last of, lack of cleavage? I really thought Ru was you know not a full buff. <laughs> For no, like with like with the Ru character, right? That was the, yeah, the, the name the of the Willow Smith. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, like there were people like I guess they had read the book, so they had like a deeper relationship with that one, that character. But there were like people crying audibly when she died throughout the theater but i didn't get any of that because she didn't do anything another thing that really bummed me about the kids is the idea of alliances in the hunger games yeah that was seems pretty ridiculous right the idea like oh uh let's team up to kill these people yeah so then how uh, could you ever trust them long enough to go for a walk with them like no matter like you come up and you're like let's team up to kill that person as soon as i turn my back you're just gonna stab me with a circular scythe or whatever they had Circular, circular saw. Were you gonna say circular saw? No, no. Though it was like it was the thing where you hold the middle and it's like a circle that you like. Oh, it was bizarre. Sith. Sith? No, there were no there were no bad Jedi's <laughs> here. Wait, you mean from Xena Warrior Princess that circle thing that she throws? Never mind. They, they had some weird oh, curved knives. Cool. Anyway, uh, yeah. My point is, you could never you would <sighs> never turn your back on anybody in this no. world. It just doesn't make sense. Let They're alone fighting. just crash with them. Yeah. Let's, let's nap cuddling. I didn't know. No. They were uncautious. They were very trusting children for being in a death match. Um, uh, awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, continuing backwards. Ezra, what's your uh, what's your minor hate? Okay. Uh, my hate is, is for um, being the only other future that's somewhat in line with uh, Atlas Shrugged in that trains are relevant. It's very important in the future. <laughs> Those two, the only two d- dystopian futures that have agreed on trains, make <laughs> yeah, a huge comeback. Much everyone else is very sure. Yeah, they're not going to be a factor. There's, well, I mean, there's modern day Japan. That's kind of like the future to us, right? <laughs> <laughs> they depended on trains over there. The they have yeah, but unlike unlike modern day Japan, this future involved a lot of spaceships, but then yet they still traveled by train back to the like there were spaceships floating over like all the time. They brought in the movie projector for the reaping by spaceship, and yet took the kids back by train. And I, I think it's a it's a bizarre decision. I think they're taking trains sort of like I would take a train to Seattle and overflying, you know, for the aesthetic of it. I think mm. they're more like it's a pleasant way to travel. You don't want those dirty district twelve <laughs> kids on your plane. No, yeah. that's gross. No, yeah. put them on a train with the other animals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and maybe there's just better banquet facilities on the trains. I don't know. That's it. That's definitely. Or maybe it. it was one of those oddly complimentary things because District Twelve mines coal, so they had to like. You you, you know, think that floating train was running on coal power? Future coal power. I mean, clean coal. Oh, sure, it's clean coal. That was the key. <laughs> All right, Chris, what's your minor hate? Oh, minor hate. Sorry, I was gearing up for a minor compliment. Shit. Just switch I the opening got it words. Backwards out of. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, okay, so my minor hate is uh, that they had this weird... I know that the other books and movies from the little I know about them have this broader social context, but really The Hunger Games is about The Hunger Games. So why the hell did Katniss have to incite a riot in District 11 and make the director totally quote the civil rights movement with fire hydrants against black people and just, like, you know, the riot shields and everything? It was just, you know, for a movie that felt as we've said before, so lived in and so, you know, uh, well-realized. Um, something like that felt so artificial and so uh, just pointed in a way that was really distasteful to to me. I, I mean, to I, I totally agree. I think what happened was that they made this really compelling movie about kids murdering each other, and then they were like, wait a second. 
we can't just Didn't make it. Didn't Crash in- do well at the Oscars? Let's do a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I, no, I think they were like, we can't really just do a fun, romping action flick of kid murder. We have to have a social thing somewhere. Where can we force that in? And it turns out that was the best place. It was in District 11. I, I really like to think that they were just like upset that their contestant died. Like There was people in District 11 who really thought that Rue was going to be the one to take it. Like They just looked at her getting on the train, and it was like, yeah, about 5'1", 110 pounds soaking wet. She's got it this year. This is who you. This <laughs> is the year of the small girl, I think. We- <laughs> Alright, uh, that is it for our show. We will be back again next week. Next week we're going to be talking about the uh, the brilliant Sarah Palin propaganda movie, The Undefeated. So definitely don't watch that on Netflix streaming and then listen to us talk about it. Uh, this was... Well, do listen to us talk about it. Just yes. don't yeah, watch it. The not was only effective for that first part of the sentence. Uh, yeah. Terrible film. But uh, this was suggested to us by several fans when it first came out that we had to talk about it. So... It is, a, it is an interesting piece of work, and I think you'll enjoy our conversation. If you have any feedback for us, the best place to go is Facebook. Facebook.com. You can also go to our send us message. We don't read a lot of listener mail on the air because we don't get a lot of listener mail. So if you want to change that, if you want something to be read on the air, something you have thoughts about the show, things we could do better, readdeshweep.com slash contact is a great place to go. Just send us a little message there. Uh, thanks as always for being here, Chris Nez. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And thanks for joining us again and at Anthony Lopez Part 2, PT2, on Twitter. Thanks for being here, man. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. Uh, that is it, everybody. We'll be back next week. Take care. Goodbye. Yeah. 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 Yeah.